Well, this morning we're continuing on in our sermon series. We started last week with introducing this theme. This week, we're going to start breaking down for you five characteristics that are crucial to being uncommon. Now, I wish I could tell you that I got this off the internet. I wish I could tell you that I read it out of Greg Laurie's uh, book of solid evangelistic preaching. Nope, sorry, you're stuck. They're my five. It's not that there aren't seven. It's not that there aren't three. I just chose five for no nondescript reason. So you're stuck with these five. There might be more. Make some up. Live by them. Enjoy them. But for our sake, we're going with five. And this morning we're going to start with the idea of purpose. As we get into this, let me ask you a question. Why would you want to be uncommon? It is a rhetorical question. Just sit there and think. Chew on it. Let your cerebral cortex start its molars. Chomping, chewing. Move it into the second stomach of the frontal lobe. And then let it start oozing down into the heart, the conviction center of who you are. And now that you've done all that, that's not the question I want you to wrestle with. Big question is this, why not? That's what you and I have to wrestle with today. Because that's what I feel convicted to make you wrestle with, is ask yourself, why not be uncommon? Because everything that we surround ourselves with demands that we be common. Do you realize the world is screaming? It is dangling the cheese in front of you. It is giving you Turkish delight of commonality. It is begging you to get in line and be a lemming and jump off the cliff of commonality. That wasn't even in the notes. I'm just freestyling that stuff. That's pretty good. Why not be uncommon? Just wrestle with it. Don't, don't come up with anything. Let's see where we get to. Alright? I told you, I promised you something. I promised that we would look at three incredible examples out of Scripture. And then we're going to look at a larger-than-life example out of Scripture. And then we're going to look at how do we do it. Do what? How do we pursue Purpose. And how does purpose involve itself in this idea of being uncommon? This is where we start today. So let me give you this idea. Or actually, I'm going to give you the five points that we're going to, we're going to be driving over this, this, next, uh, this next month. Purpose drives uncommon people. Next, selflessness defines uncommon people. Faith elevates uncommon people. Heaven enlightens uncommon people. And the peace de resistance... Here is mountains move because of uncommon people. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm not a mountain mover guy. I, I just I work at a desk. Um, I'm doing preschool stuff. You, if you work in preschool, you are a mountain mover. If you're you know if you work in our nursery, you move big mountains. Obviously, we're borrowing from the Lord's words here, right? Talking about faith, folks. It is uncommon to move mountains, isn't it? And when we talk in these terms of uncommon people, when we talk in, in, in larger-than-life ideas, 
we tend to project it on somebody else like Tony Dungy. Because Tony Dungy's a superstar. Tony Dungy's an NFL coach. That's good for him. Nobody, no media groups come into my house and, and asking me to sit down in a white chair and dress in black and tell them why Jesus is first and I'm second. I'm just Jeremy Cook. No. The Lord gives us these examples so that we can learn because while Jesus hung on that cross and was willing to go to that cross and raise from the dead for Tony Dungy, He would have done it for you just as much as Tony. Every promise that is afforded because of the power of the cross is afforded to each person who names Him Lord. There is no preference. Paul says it. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Scythian, barbarian. We're all equal under Christ, so we all share in those, in some germane purposes. But today we're going to challenge you to think about your individual purpose behind the Lord. Your first thing is to understand this. I am not here to coach you on how to uh, run a uh, flag route. I'm not going to be able to do well. If you came out to our New Year's Day Bowl, you would know that I'm not here to coach you on how to run a flag route. Um, I'm not here to give you financial advice. You want financial advice? Go over here to Andrew Redlick. He's great at that, okay? I'm not here to tell you about fishing. I'm, I'm, I'm an average fisherman. Carl can tell you all about fishing. Great guy, good guy at fishing, and, uh, and on and on it goes. So why am I here? I'm here to challenge you that everything you're going to hear, everything you're going to write down in your sermon notes, which are in, in your bulletin, has a spiritual emphasis. So when we're talking about purpose this morning, shroud that contextualize that all with the understanding of my spiritual purpose. You're not going to see it written that way. It's just implied. So I, I thought I'd take us down that road a little, a little sojourn real quickly. Let's get into it. And here's a big question for you. You ready? As we talk about purpose this morning, let me throw this at you. People with purpose, what? They lay waste to boredom and regret. People with purpose lay waste to boredom and regret. I don't know how many of you are bored spiritually, and I don't know how many of you may have regrets spiritually. But I can definitely say to you, if you know your purpose spiritually, those two things will not exist in your life. That's kind of refreshing, exciting news, isn't it? I don't have to be bored spiritually. I don't have to have spiritual regrets. If I'm going to accomplish that, guess what? That makes me uncommon compared to most of the church. So how do I get there? If I want to get there. You've got to start with your purpose. You realize that most people don't know their purpose just in life. And they're clamoring for it. They're paying thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to find their purpose. Do you realize how much we spend for a college education? I'm about getting ready to realize how much we currently spend for a college education. That's why I believe in miracles and grants. Okay, moving on. We will invest tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, to get an education so that we can what? Fulfill our purpose? You know, most of the people change careers, not jobs, careers twice. By age 50. We have a whole lot of people that 
spend a whole lot of money and they have regrets and they're bored in their jobs. That's just regular life. What about the church? What about us spiritually? Well, I believe that if we know our purpose, we know our purpose before the Lord, we lay waste to boredom and regret. So this morning, again, ask yourself that question. Do I want to be uncommon? Well, if you do, why? If you don't, why not? Why not? We're going to look into Scripture this morning and look at how God reveals His purpose. So if we're challenging you to go there, that that's the first steps towards being uncommon, all right, let's look at Scripture and let's see how does God do this? How does God reveal this? I'm going to give you three demonstrations of uncommon purpose from Scripture. Three simple but uncommon people. Let's start with Jeremiah, shall we? Great guy. Great guy. Tough job. Great name. Love the name. Alright, so we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through, let's go to 8, shall we? It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So who is Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord, and he's a nobody. I mean, he's a nobody. He's some kid that's born in Barstow and is working the AMPM on the midnight hour. Right? I mean, if we're going to really talk about common versus uncommon, you're not going to get much more common than this cat. He's like working the sheep in the backfields of Tekoa, which is nowhere in, in, in Judea. But God comes to him. And he comes to him with a very serious job. You see, the nation of Israel was blowing it big time. And there was a heavy hand coming because God loved his people. And God had sent message upon message upon message and the people had ignored and ignored and ignored. And and here's the beautiful thing about God. He is the best parent ever. Because He knows where the destruction of your life will end up if He doesn't get a hold of you, if you are His. And so He will send people, He will send circumstances to try to get your attention. And sometimes we complain about that, right? We say, well, that's not my picture of God. God gives me a new boat with a full cooler. That's my impression of God. Here's the challenge. God has a spiritual purpose for you. And it doesn't end here on this earth, does it? And so we're building towards what He has for us. And our theme verse is, all this is from God who through Christ Jesus reconciled us so that we might have a what? A ministry of reconciliation if we fail to do what we need to do god will raise up somebody you'll hear that in a moment out of the book of esther she's our second person jeremiah great name bad job but jeremiah knew his purpose and did you hear it in here so how does how does let's bring this up how does god interact and let jeremiah know his purpose 
Oh, sorry. It's so small you can't read it. I apologize. I got a new computer and it like shrunk everything. And so next week it'll be much larger for you sighted people. All right. He's a simple man chosen and appointed by God to be a spokesperson. What did you hear? God came and interacted with him. And he said, hey, Jeremiah, before you were formed, not even born, before you were, and this is the international handwriting sign for formed, okay? Before you were formed, I set out your purpose. That's just for Jeremiah. He's uncommon. He's just an uncommon guy. Think God does that for us? Well, I'll tell you that these stories are here because God chose to reveal how he works with mankind so that you can know how to hear him and how he desires to work with you. So maybe this is how he will interact with you. But he comes to Jeremiah and he says, I consecrated you for this purpose. You will be my spokesman. Tough job. I get up here and I tell you all, hey, (laughs) you all need to sell your homes. You need to give away everything you're doing. Quit your jobs. And you need to fast for 40 days. I don't think y'all are going to be happy with me, and next week we won't just be hiring a children's director. That's kind of what Jeremiah was asked to do. So what they do, they beat him up and they threw him in a pit. And, and then what happens next? God says, okay, I want you to go back to those same people and say it again. Tough job. But Jeremiah had zero spiritual regret. And he definitely wasn't bored spiritually. So, how does God reveal his purpose to us? Sometimes he just speaks to us directly, just like he did with Jeremiah. Well, let's look at somebody else, Esther. Turn in the book of Esther, if you will, to Esther 4. Um, I don't want to leave out our ladies here. Uh, this is a great, great passage um, that our ladies have been studying in our uh, women's Bible study on Wednesdays. And by the way, please, ladies, starting up this week, I was asked by Lynn to announce that. You can sign up out at the kiosk starting this Wednesday, right, Janine? Fantastic. And I hear they're giving away a million something. I don't know, whatever. So if you show up, you might get a million somethings or something. So in Esther chapter uh, 4, 12 through 16, let's read this. Uh, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with the story... Uh, it's fascinating. Um, Esther's, her, her name's Hadassah. She's just a regular gal. She gets brought before the king's uh, Xerxes and he chooses her. And so now he, she's the queen. Very uncommon. But now Haman decides to kill all the Jews. So Mordecai finds out about this plot and he dresses himself in sackcloth and he goes to the king's gate He's not supposed to be there in sackcloth. And this is like a picture of a junior high interaction in math class, if you will. Because these two never talk face to face. They just keep passing notes one to another. So let's, let's get into it and see um, uh, what's going on here. Uh, Esther 4, 12 through 16. Sorry, I apologize. I was saying 16 to start. It says, and they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that 
in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, here it comes, you ready? And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, uncommon, uncommon, neon sign, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. We talked a little bit about Purim during Advent. You know what's fascinating is that the Jews don't celebrate Esther. They celebrate Mordecai. Because it was through Mordecai's faith and his actions to talk to Esther. And, and here's the fascinating thing, right? Who spoke to Jeremiah? Who revealed Jeremiah's purpose to him? God, direct. Now again, God may do that with you, but He may not. How many of you are jealous of those people? Like you hear about people and then you just instantly say, oh, they must be charismatic. What? Did I just say that? Did I? Wow. Ouch. Sorry, we like to beat each other up in here every once in a while. If, if there's any... Well, time out. If there's any confusion, I love charismatic brothers and sisters. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm making fun of us. Sometimes we tend to partition too much. Anyway. You ever been jealous of that person that hears directly from God? What's, what's the next thing that happens? I'll tell you what I think, being a little vulnerable here. Yeah, sure you heard from God. Yeah, you, you do too, right? Yeah. Why do we do that? It's all through the Bible. We say we love the Bible. We say we follow the Bible. And then when something happens, it's all through the Bible. We say, yeah, sure you did. Because it's not happening to us. That's uncommon. So God speaks to Jeremiah directly. Did he do that to Esther? He did not. He did not. She's a simple woman chosen for the purpose of interceding for thousands. That was her purpose. Who revealed that to her? Mordecai did. How many of us have either heard or we are labeled? We wear this mantle of saying, I only listen to God. No man will tell me what to do. Now, sometimes that's appropriate. Because there's people out there speaking that do not speak with God's intentions. It's their self. And so, because of that abuse, we what? I'm only going to listen to God. But we're not, we're not paying attention to God. And guess what? God doesn't choose to communicate to you that specific way. For whatever purpose. We see it right here. It's biblical. He may have chosen to do it directly to Moses. Directly to Jeremiah. Directly to Jonah. But here we see he's working through Mordecai to tell Esther, this is what your purpose is, Esther. Fascinating, isn't it? How do we find our purpose? Well, we know that God can do it directly. We also know that God can use others to help us understand that. Third, not to leave out Joseph. How many of you, this is your, this is your guy? Right? Holy Joe. Egyptian Joe. 
Any, anybody tell me what uh, Joseph is in Egyptian? Marianne? Yusuf. Yusuf. I wonder if they called him Yusuf. Joseph loved the story, right? Family guy. Popular with his family. You know? He's got some great sibling rivalry going on. You know, in the Jewish hierarchy, it's the firstborn, right, that gets it all. Can, can you imagine being number 12 in line? Like, you're doing everybody's chores, right? And so finally, what do they do? They, they, constant abuse, probably, especially because Jacob loved Joseph more. Gave him this special robe. So we're fed up with you. <laughs> we're going to... We're going to throw you in this pit over here. Just because, can't you just imagine, you know, how many of you are older brothers or sisters and you used to throw your brother or sister in a pit just for fun? I'm not convinced that they weren't just messing with him. <laughs> okay, we won't ask questions. That was on video. Okay. Nancy, Bill. Um, I'm not all that convinced they weren't just messing with him because they're the older brothers. And then they saw opportunity. Hey, here comes the... The slave train going to Egypt. Let's see if we can get some money for this guy. What do you think Joseph thought his purpose was? Empathize with him there a little bit. You're like, really, God? Are you there yet? Are you there right now? You throwing it up and you saying, I'm in a pit? Really, God? I've devoted my life to you? Really, God? What purpose can this have for me? Where does he go? He goes south. It's into Egypt. What happens? He becomes the second most powerful person in Potiphar's... Well, actually, he's the first most... He's, he's powerful in Potiphar's house. He rises to stature. You would think that's his purpose, wouldn't you? That wasn't his purpose. What happens next for Joseph? Yusuf ends up in jail because he did something horrible, right? No. Did nothing wrong. Have you ever found yourself saying, God, where is your purpose in this? I did nothing unrighteous and yet I'm suffering. What's your purpose? Then what happens? He gets the opportunity. By the way, how did God speak to Joseph? Through dreams. So he spoke directly to Jeremiah. He speaks indirectly to Esther. And now he's using dreams to speak to Joseph. By the way, why did they really throw him in the pit? Because he got mouthy, right? Hey, uh, hey, guess what dream I had last night, guys? You want to practice? Go ahead, bow down, bow down. God revealed what would happen and what His purpose was. He didn't fully understand the extent of it, right? But look at the beginning of our understandings of Joseph. At the very beginning, he gets his purpose from God through a dream. But it takes getting thrown in a pit, getting sold into slavery, going to a foreign country, rising up in Potiphar's house, going back to jail, interpreting more dreams, rising now to be the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And then we get to this story, Genesis 45. Go ahead and turn there. This is absolutely beautiful. Genesis 45, 4 through 8 is where we're going to be. He says, or the, the narrative says this, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. Now let me back up and give you some idea of what's happening. Joseph's now second in command of all of Egypt, so he's administrating the things that Pharaoh needs him to administrate. 
It's like a state department head, right? Head of state. So Joseph's family gets sent by Jacob down to Egypt because they're starving. Cain has been facing a horrible drought and they're losing the opportunity to generate food and, and survive. So Jacob sends him and now his brothers walk into the courtyard, wherever it would be, and now they're going to stand in front of Joseph. And Joseph knows who they are. And he reveals himself to them privately. And that's the conversation we come in on. Again, verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Stop. Put yourself there. You're one of the bros. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to say it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, great. This ain't going to happen. And we're probably not leaving with our necks. What happens? Verse 5. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Boy, we talk a good talk about reconciliation and forgiveness and all those things. But how many of you, like me, if you had somebody that, that had done what Joseph's brothers did to him, would really want to work through a process? You know, and, and people kind of need to own what they own in the room. We need to verbalize things. There needs to be confession. Um... And uh, not to speak of justice. You know, justice needs to be served here. By the way, that would be common, right? But what did Joseph do? Now, I'm not saying those things aren't appropriate, folks. Some of those things are very appropriate in different situations. But what I'm telling you is that there's an uncommon power that's happening here because Joseph knew his purpose. And because he knew his purpose, there isn't anything that his brothers are going to say or going to do that's going to heal his heart anymore or create a sense of vindictiveness, he doesn't need it. Because as this moment unfolds in front of him, all of a sudden his dream that's given by the Lord comes to fruition and now he knows why all of it has happened. And it gives purpose to every moment of his life that made no sense. Up and down and up and down. It's just like Tony Dungy, right? I get hired as a Tampa Bay coach. I think I'm doing great. And boom, what happens? Fired. I'm fired. How does that work? Let's continue on. He says, God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to keep alive for you many survivors. Why did Joseph go through what he went through? He was a simple boy chosen for the purpose of saving his family and a nation. He had a purpose. And God revealed that purpose to him, his specific purpose, in a dream. So how do we know this purpose? And by the way, you don't, uh, you don't take a pill to become uncommon. That's why we're giving you these five characteristics. You see, these people sat there and they wrestled with purpose. 
They wrestled with what God challenged them to do and what He had for them specifically. They could have been like Jonah and said, Nope. Expedia, book me a flight. Right out of Tarsus. But these three people didn't, did they? They followed through with everything God asked them to, and through the revealing of that purpose, it gave definition to their life. And guess what? Because of that, because of that, they became uncommon people. Uncommon is a result of decisions. It's a result of what I'm going to give you now, actually in a moment after we look at the example of Christ. So we're going to go on into the example of Christ in looking at this idea of purposefulness. Jesus was uncommon because of His purpose. Let's look at John 6. And I chose John. We could have gone anywhere in the Gospels, my friends, because... This idea is riddled through the Gospels. But we'll just take John 6 because we were in John uh, for a year and a half. And this might be fresh in your mind. So John six thirty-five through 40. And John says, <clears throat> let me flip the page here. John says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do, the, uh, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Before I go too fast, I skipped this in first service. I'll have to go back and apologize to them, but that is it. That is the Gospel. If you look upon the Son which means you commit your heart in faith towards Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. He will lift you up on that last day. So this is Jesus' purpose. Jesus was uncommon because of His purpose. Let's break it down. Number one, He's the bread of life. How many of you walk around describing yourself through allegory? I am the cheese on your fruit platter. You know, I am the cheese of the pulpit, but... Actually, my sister-in-law calls me supersized, right? Oh, there we go. There we go. So I do walk around and call myself third-person titles. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What's that work out for us? It says we receive life through Jesus' purpose. He chose to use an allegory so we could understand how many of you are hungry already? And you're like, Pastor, wrap it up. Come on, let's go. I got lunch coming. Right? I'm raising both hands because I'm really hungry. Or I'm praising Jesus. Either way. He understood in that day and age where they didn't do three meals a day that capturing that idea of eating was valuable. They understood survival based on And so he says, look, you don't survive without me. He describes himself as the bread of life. We receive life. This was his purpose. Second, what does he say? He says, for I've come down from heaven. This is where I came from. That's uncommon, right? How many people came down from heaven? Not that many, last time I counted. Not to do what? My will, but the will of Him who sent me. So what's his purpose? His purpose is from the Father. His purpose 
is from the Father. Jesus didn't make his earthly purpose about what he wanted. It was handed to him, just like these other purposes, just like our purposes are predetermined by the Father. That's what you take away from that point. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. That's the end game to Jesus' purpose. Why did He come? He came to fulfill what His Father wanted Him to. What would that result in? That we would have eternal life. Jesus knew His purpose. Was the job description uncommon? Oh yeah, you bet. As a matter of fact, it was so uncommon that when he started to reveal himself, people doubted it. What good has come out of Nazareth? You kidding me? This guy came from Nazareth. What did, he say? What, what did the Pharisees say about his disciples after he left? Aren't these Galileans? These are, say it, come on, somebody. Common people. Where do they get off acting as if they get to tell us how to live spiritually? The disciples were common men that were made uncommon because they knew their what? Their purpose. Where did they learn that? From Jesus. That's how we learn. Jesus' purpose was uncommon. An uncommon calling for our benefit. So this morning, how can purpose make my life more uncommon? Let me give you some very specifics in wrapping up. Number one, pursue. Pursue your purpose. Don't just sit back and wait for it. Now, it may come to you, but you start by pursuing this way. Number one, if you don't know Christ, remember we're talking about a spiritual purpose. I'm not talking about your goals, your sales goals at work. Okay? We're talking about your spiritual purpose, folks. And you heard it from Tony Dungy. You can either make your whole purpose about winning a Super Bowl, or you can be purposeful about... Jesus Christ being primary in my life, and then let's see how these other purposes flesh themselves out. He doesn't just have a story of lifting the Lombardi trophy. He has an incredible story, an uncommon story, of yes, they lifted the trophy, but they went back, and the men on that team bowed their knee, and they gathered together in prayer to give glory to God. That is an uncommon story around Super Bowl. Because of Tony Dungy's demonstration of uncommonality, because he knew his purpose and he lived it out, you're going to see this next point come to life. But number one, seek out your God-given purpose. Some great scripture, Ephesians 2.10, specifically says that we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and that he has made good works for us before the creation of the world. Does this sound like Jeremiah a little bit? He says, I have consecrated your purpose before you were even formed. Remember, formed. International hand sign. Same for you, my friends. So we can't really use this ethereal excuse. It sounds real good. I like it. It's a really good. She is really cute. That is a cute baby. Grace, you need to learn your purpose. And right now, it's looking cute. And you're fulfilling it. It's fantastic. Sorry, that was very ADD. And I'm not ADD, but that is a just... Ah, oh man, I'm going to have to look over here at Scott. Okay, now I'm back on. Okay, sorry. Ephesians 2.10 doesn't say that before the creation world, I would insult Scott. But I might 
bless the baby and the family over there. The idea is simply this, that He has created those good works for you, just like Jeremiah. He's got it out there. You've got to pursue it, my friends. You don't try to become uncommon and then you find your purpose. You pursue your purpose in Christ. And as you're in that pursuit, it starts to do things to you and you start to what? Become uncommon. And because of that uncommonality, it starts to have an effect. Just like Tony Dungy's purpose had an effect on the men around him. So an uncommon action at the triumph moment happened. Let's bow in prayer, coach. Shape. Shape. As you start to find that purpose, let it shape you. Let that purpose drive your life. Matthew 5, uh, 16. By the way, the Ephesians 4 uh, passage is talking about how for the early church, He gave some, and this means He's given them supernatural abilities. He gave some to be teachers. He gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. For whatever the church needed, He designated those purposefully designated those individuals that would step up and do what needed to happen so that the church could benefit. That same thing happens today. Do you know your purpose? Once you start to see that purpose unfurl, once it progressively starts showing up, or maybe it comes instantaneously in that epiphany like Jeremiah, then you start to let it shape your life. And you start making decisions that reflect that purpose. That's going to require risk, isn't it? You will have a choice at those times. Either to say, I will make my purpose God's purpose, the Father's purpose, following an example of Jesus Christ. Or you will say, I'll make my purpose my own purpose. Just know that when you choose that, you choose commonality. When you choose the other, you choose uncommon. When you choose the uncommon, you will lay waste to boredom and spiritual regret. I promise you. Thirdly, Courage. I just gave you the spiritual pep talk for this point. It will require courage for you to step up and do the things God has set aside for you because they will be things that will have a spiritual impact not only on you, but on people around you. That requires spiritual battle. And spiritual battle is going to happen. You heard Esther's words, didn't you? If I perish, I what? The ultimate Hebrew... So what? Do you have the courage to do that? It sometimes requires that to know your purpose and become an uncommon person. This morning in closing, as I give you those three things, that helps you dive off and know. Get into the Word. Let this shape your purpose. Get into prayer time. Walk with the Lord. Understand. But... Have the courage to take those steps that are going to start to reveal that purpose for you. Your main purpose, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, is to have a ministry of reconciliation and to glorify Him. That's germane to all believers. If you don't know the Lord yet, then you need to pursue Him. You need to seek after Him. You need to see if He is for real. You need to wonder why perfectly sane people, well, some are perfectly sane in this room, You need to wonder why those people would choose something that doesn't seem very common. It seems very uncommon. And why they would make choices that are uncommon to rule their life. But after you get past all that, get to your individual purpose in life. So that you're not bored. 
so that spiritually you have no regrets. Let me close in prayer and dismiss you. Thank you for being here today. I pray that you're encouraged by the message. Again, we have life groups going this week. Men's discipleship study, Wednesday night. Drop your kids off at Awana, men, and come on over into the fireside room and join us. Um, It is a time for you to bring your questions. Uh, Bring your questions to the men that are there gathered to answer your questions. Anything having to do with the scriptures, yourself, things of life, um, that's why we're there. We would love to see you there. All right, let me dismiss you in prayer. Father, thank you for the blessedness of purpose. That you are unique in that. That the Father gave the Son purpose. And in that same way, you give us that which you desire, that which you have predestined, that which you will give us the strength to accomplish just like you told Jeremiah. Let us wrestle with this, Lord, and let us ask ourselves the question, do we want to be common or uncommon? If we don't want to be uncommon, why not? Why not? Let us start with the basics. Do your work within us. Refine us. Encourage us. Give us the courage to move forward. Let us not be satisfied with the common. To your glory, Father. Amen.